Welcome to Tiki Central Canada. Ever wonder what's in that cool, refreshing drink that you just have to have on that hot summer's day? Mmm, me too. Picture a man going on a journey beyond sight and sound. He has left society. He has entered Tiki Central with palm trees, beach sand, blue skies, and God, get me a drink now. Here's your hosts, Craig, Paula, and Mark, and their wacky views in drinks, life, and maybe information. Hey folks, and hey, how's it going? It's Craig here from Tiki Central Canada. I'll be your bartender, mixologist, and hopefully information for the hour. We'll see how it goes. And yes, we are via internet. Now, there's a very special reason why we're via internet. First of all, Paula's not here. Wah, wah, wah. She's uh, dealing with other scenarios with the young one, so unfortunately she couldn't be on the show. But we are via internet because we have a very special guest today who was here last year, and that is Rob Bruner. Say hi, Rob. Ah, hi there, matey. <laughs> As I so, said last year, uh, just do that once, every, then I will not do that again. There we go. So Rob is a Canadian Navy lieutenant, and he's also our pirate expert. Yes, I know we have plenty of experts on the show. We have Mark, our tiki expert, and Paulo is a Brazilian expert, and you know me, I'm about cocktails. Anyway, so yes, yeah, so Rob is our Navy pirate expert, and this year, he brought a very special guest. Who'd you bring, Rob? I actually brought my wife along, just to make sure that I do things correctly and kept in line. It's my wife, That's Erica right. Garrington. Hi, Erica. How are we doing? I'm doing really, really well. And actually, he is a lieutenant commander. Oh, I am sorry in the ranking. <laughs> yes, That's rank right. is important. <laughs> yes, here, here. Oh. I, I was going to say something later on, but you know, I, I didn't want to embarrass anybody. So thank you for... Thank you for that. I'm good with that. I'm okay. Do you do that at like a parties you guys go to, like cocktail parties and things like that? Do you like correct people who who meet Rob and say, no, 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 he is Lieutenant Admiral? <laughs> like, funnily, yes. Usually, it's funny because when you have the when you're wearing my uniform, people don't don't know, and they'll say something, and they'll say a rank, and then it's yeah, do you who they are or what's going on? How do you correct them? So sometimes Erica is quite quite nice about oh, he was Lieutenant Commander. Or something like our commander when I was a commander. It's like, yeah, she just kind of slips that in. She's far more diplomatic than I would be. So Sometimes. Guess- <laughs> Unless I'm telling a captain aboard ship that he should get a mohawk for a haircut. That was a mistake. Yeah, that was almost a career-limiting <laughs> move. That was... He did ask, well, where, what should I get for a haircut? And he went, where should he go for a haircut? And then you. Well, what he said was recommendations, which in the Navy, recommendations. And I thought he meant what, and he meant where, in terms of where should he get his haircut. And I just threw up my hand. I even did a, I even did, you know, a hand on my head and said, Mohawk. And apparently everyone in the room just sort of clenched uh, because I just told the captain he should get a Mohawk. And thankfully he had a good sense of humor. And it was very long time ago. And I was new to the whole Navy thing and I was forgiven. (laughs) <laughs> you're the wife newbie exactly yeah here you go cool so we we'll hope that everyone obviously is staying safe uh we are hopefully at the tail end of this whole covid thing uh i think everyone has been double vaccinated although we're via internet so it really doesn't matter but uh, anyways <laughs> uh except for erica i guess erica you mentioned that your son he's 11 11 so he can't get vaccinated yet at all oh. and it's approved so 
Yeah, he's not vaccinated. And uh, he actually got tested this morning because he's got symptoms, but we just got the negative results back. He's negative. So that is a big, big relief. He's still not feeling Yay. well. So he needs to get some treatment for whatever he's got. He's got to see a doctor. So there's still other things out there other than COVID. So just because you feel ill doesn't mean you've got COVID, but we had to get him tested exactly. to rule that out. And, and now we're very happy that a negative uh, result came back. But it is concerning because he's he's our little baby bison and all the bisons have to sort of, you know, mm -hmm. that herd immunity we have to protect. Oh, him. Yeah. We didn't Clearly, we didn't protect him from something. Something reached him, some some illness. But uh, now that we know it's not COVID, at least we can get him treated. So what are we talking about today, Craig? So today we're going to do Talk Like a Pirate because, as of course, every year we have around this time, September 17th, is Talk Like a Pirate Day. And so that's, of course, why Erica and Rob are on the show today. And, of course, Rob has a lot of history about pirates or a lot of expertise on piracy. So, Rob, what is Talk Like a Pirate Day and when is it exactly? Well, Talk Like a Pirate Day is that oh-so-holy holiday of pirates, a day we celebrate it's the 19th of September. Mm -hmm. Now, it started in the States to gentlemen, uh, John Barr and Mark Subners, or Chum Bucket and Captain Slappy, as mm -hmm. they're also there affectionately known as. But in June <laughs> the 6th, 1995, they were out playing racquetball, and they just, just have fun. They just started uh, talking to each other like pirates and saying pirate slang and such, and realized it was a lot more fun. So they said, hey, we should... We should do this more often. We should make this an event. Now, however, obviously, uh, June 6th is is taken. Yes. Because that's you know, with D-Day and all. And so what they decided was that it was going to be Mark Summers' ex-wife's birthday, the 19th of September. But oh, no. Why you picked that. But anyway, he decided <laughs> that was going to happen. They decided also uh, to contact Dave Barry. And said, hey, because we thought, hey, this Dave Barry could be our spokesman. So they actually emailed Dave Barry and told him about this this idea. And Dave Barry emailed back. So, okay, for those who don't know, who is Dave Barry? Ah, I can answer that. Erica. Dave Barry is or was, I should say, a columnist for the Miami Herald for many, many years. He was a humor writer, wrote some of the funniest humor columns that have ever been written. Um, they were so popular and so funny, they got reprinted in lots of other newspapers. And he eventually uh, became uh, a novelist. Um, he wrote Mm -hmm. books, uh, of fun, just funny books, but not novels for many years. And then eventually he started writing novels because he's a good friend of Stephen King, who may have pushed him into novel writing. And he is also a fantastic novelist. They're incredibly oh, wow. funny books. And the one celebrity that I have written a gushy fan letter to. I didn't know that. No, ah. he wrote back. It was while I was in university. I'm such a nerd that the only... I've ever written a gushy fan letter to was after reading one of his, I think it was his second novel, and I thought it was so funny. I wrote him a gushy fan letter, and he wrote me back. Uh, and I, I don't know where that letter is, but I still have it. Dave Barry is riotously funny. So when they, he uh, emailed back to them, he actually said uh, that this is a great idea or a, a very excellent idea were the, the words that he used. Mm -hmm. uh, and asked them, have you, they actually done anything about this? And they said, well, no, just a bunch of friends. We just kind of doing stuff together. So 
he said, well, let me let's see what I can do. And then next thing you know, he wrote uh, a column about it. And because nationally is syndicated and it became national. Mm-hmm. And that was in 2000 and I'm going to say 2002. Mm-hmm. And so it's just expanded ever since. And it's I mean, like, so this, this holiday is actually started off in a very small part of the world. And now it's international, right? Because now very it's cool. international talk like a pirate day. Mm-hmm. So people all across the world, world and all the different pirate groups, it's, uh, it's quite the activity now. Everybody really enjoys it. So Rob, why don't you explain to our listeners, if you didn't listen to the show last year, your credentials. In other words, like, why do you know so much about piracy? Uh, yes. Well, as I said, I've, as Erica said, being a lieutenant commander in the, the Royal Canadian Navy, I've been an officer in the forces for 34 years. But I like to say that I was a pirate before that, because every young child loves to you know play pirate. So couldn't become a pirate. Joined the Navy instead. I thought I'd bring them down from the inside, but I ended up liking it and staying. But I'm also like a historian of like maritime language terms, the the technology, the knowledge. And from that, you just understand that maritime and pirate, like it, it overlaps. So Navy and pirate quite overlaps. Mm-hmm. Um, Erica and I are um, with some other close friends. We run a pirate group called Cut and Run, which is another play on words. Cut and Run actually means like the term cut and run. People have heard that. But what that means actually is cutting the lines, a ship that's alongside. You cut the lines and let fly the sails. So you run. You run the sails, you cut the lines, and you get out quickly. So, uh, but cut and run for us means basically a bunch of pirates who like to run away. Um, <laughs> so, You're supposed to run away? You're supposed to fight? Not the face, not the face, run away. So anyway, we do stage combat, uh, maritime education, like how to tie knots and what the different uh, flags mean and such. And we do a kid sword show with little foam boffer swords, teach them how to beat on themselves, beat, beat each other, beat their kid, beat their parents with uh, foam swords. And mm-hmm. she and I are also members of the Thousand Islands Pirate Society, which is another group in this area that does pirate mm-hmm. events. Uh, and now I'm also, I write for uh, pirate, an international pirate magazine based in Canada called Echo de Mers. It's a French name, but it means uh, echoes of the sea. Then also on like a, a board of directors for uh, international pirate festival. This wow. year's the International Pirate Rendezvous. This year is in Germany, but next year the one I'm working on is uh, a location to be disclosed very soon in the States where pirates right across the world will be coming together to uh, drink some rum, sing some sea shanties, and have a generally good time. That sounds like an awesome event. So it sounds like quite uh, an adventure you've had across like different planes of the world and parts, uh, like you said, the Navy and piracy and all these societies that are out there. Uh, do you see that this is actually kind of growing in some ways? Like in Oh, definitely. I, well, the, the advent of Pirates of the Caribbean. And I know Erica, you know, she, she agrees with me on <laughs> that. Pirates of the Caribbean is, it's completely Hollywood pirates. Like it yes. has virtually nothing to do with the classic golden age of piracy and pirates, what they were really like and what they really wore and what they really did. But what it did was it really showcased that feeling of like freedom and fun uh, and excitement and adventure of pirates. Because like you said, I think in conversation me and you had, today's pirates are not having fun. They're basically doing it for survival, right? Like near yes. the- um, Horn of Africa, Straits of Malacca, those areas there. It is very, it is survival. They're just looking to, to make money now. Piracy has been quite curtailed around the Horn of Africa, but there's other areas around that are, it's still quite prevalent and it is not a fun life. It is not a yo-ho-ho bottle of rum sort of life. 
course, it not, wasn't not during the golden age of piracy either. It wasn't a fun life then. I mean, they called it the golden age of piracy because there was so much piracy and there was entertainment written about it. I'm going to talk later about sources we have about pirate lore, which were the 17th mm -hmm. century uh, version of Pirates of the Caribbean. Pirates of the Caribbean wouldn't exist mm -hmm. for certain publications that were written around 1724. Uh, glorifying piracy, making it romantic, not so much romantic, but more just juicy and, you know, very saucy and exciting for readers. That was their movies, this book, these, these publications, that was their version of Pirates of the mm -hmm. Caribbean. If it weren't for things like Pirates of the Caribbean, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing. It wouldn't be entertaining. It wouldn't be considered fun. Mm -hmm. um, so we actually owe a lot to the Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, and I still think they're rollicking great fun. Oh, and, and Pirates, the, so Treasure Island, Robert Louis Stevenson and Walt Disney are essentially responsible for our modern view of that Pirates of the Caribbean. The actor uh, Robert Newton, who played uh, who played Long John Silver in Treasure Island 1950s with with Walt Disney, he was the one who he came up with that speech. He came up with the way he was talking, and now that's what all people who think that they are pirates sound like. All right, so uh, let's go on to some drinks. You know, this is Cheeky Central Canada, so of course we have to have drinks. What drinks are we doing today? So we're actually going to do the Bombo cocktail. So Bombo is a drink that came from piracy way, way back. And this is something that me and Rob talked about back and forth in our discussions. So Bombo is a combination. It's almost like grog, but a little bit of modification to it. Didn't we uh, have some rum called Bombo and our... Uh, rum tasting? Yes, we did. We actually did it in a rum tasting. So if you go back to our rum tasting from last year, there was a sample we did of Bumbo rum, which actually is some Barbados. And we're going to talk more about that rum in, in particular, but basically it's a Barbados rum. It's actually owned by Lil Wayne, or he's basically endorsed it, I guess, who's a rapper. Uh, it's it's fine. I find it funny that a rapper is endorsing a Caribbean rum, but um, you know, anything's possible these days. That was unexpected, yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. But I mean, the great thing about it is it's actually the best kind of blend of rums coming out of Barbados. Uh, and again, we'll go more in depth on that rum itself. Oh, so yes. Yeah, so basically one of the things that me and Rob talked about, or Rob can explain in some sort of in elaborating on it, is it's basically it was a, a pirate concoction. So there was the grog, which was a British Navy. That's what they did. But then the pirates took it to another element. And it's kind of, I think, one of the things that me and you talked about was that because pirates would be, would dock somewhere and there'd be spices and things on the islands. And they would do is combine these spices with the rum that they already had existing, right? Exactly. Also, the you know, pirates would, would, whatever they've taken from a vessel, they had access to different types of spices and flavorings and such. So whereas the Navy, they had the grog, which at the time was just water and was just rum with water in it. They liked this bumbo, which was they would add sugar and nutmeg. Uh, if they had cinnamon, they'd add a little bit of cinnamon. And so while the Navy grog is well more known, that the bumbo was actually a much tastier drink than just that plain grog. Uh, I said they would pillage supplies from villages and ships, and that's they would keep it and use it in their drink. Uh, while the bumbo is a simple drink, it contains the key components of rum, water, and sugar, because they said they would put in sugar as well, that nutmeg. Uh, it was a definitely a step up from that whole kind of grog idea. 
And it was kind of funny as you look at that, you kind of go, wait a minute, they're adding, and sometimes they've had limes, they'd add a little bit of lime in there. So you can almost say that pirates had inadvertently created the first tiki drinks, that this first uh, tropical drinks when they add that lime. So it's the old story. Hey, can you just imagine, like Pirates of the Caribbean, you imagine a pirate staggering around on the jetty with a tiki drink in their hand, like a coconut with a little umbrella on it and walking around. Like you could just see it. And yeah, that's probably what they're drinking. They're probably drinking mumbo. Well, it's funny because on the last show, when we talked about grog, we said that it's funny because the name kind of, it's got some balls to it. It's got some sort of grit to it. Mm-hmm. And we made the joke about like, well, yeah, you can't go, hey, can I get a pina colada? Or hey, can I get a daiquiri? Because it doesn't have the same manliness kind of sound to it. You know what I mean? You can't imagine like sailors going, ah, pina colada. <laughs> ah, it's a wonderful bumbo you've got there. Ah, it was a- Exactly. So what we're going to do is going to give you guys two recipes. We're going to give you guys the old school one and the new school one. So there's different versions going through different generations. And so we're going to give you what's, what the pirates did back in the old days, the old school one. And we're going to give you a newer version that's being more popular these days. So which is the first drink we're doing? Okay. So we're going to do the old school bumbo. So in this one, it's going to be the two ounces of bumble rum. Now, you can use any dark rum you want. Uh, I would rather, if you can, try to get the bumble rum because it does have a lot of cool, imagined elements to it. It's got some vanilla on there, some banana, some nutmeg, just like we're talking about now with the bumbo. Uh, so yeah, so two ounces of any dark rum, one ounce of water. So there's your grog right there. Those two combined together. Two sugar cubes or one ounce of simple syrup because remember we talked about before and lots of times of the show, simple syrup seems to be the way to go. A lot of mixologists are going that way because with sugar cubes, the problem with sugar cubes is when if you don't dissolve them completely, you kind of get that like sand grit taste to your, your in your mouth. Well, I mean, that's your part. I guess maybe you want that. That's probably know. exactly what it is, a sand <laughs> in the rum. There's actually a really good uh, song called Sand in the Rum done by a pirate group, but that's that's uh, for another story. That's another time. <laughs> The show, yeah, the show is only an hour long, Rob. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have to make it so you want me to come back next year. I have to have material for next year. There we go. He's got (laughs) plenty of material for next year already. Uh, And then a sprinkle or a quarter teaspoon of nutmeg and cinnamon. So, yes, we are going to combine the nutmeg and the cinnamon together. Because remember, we talk about tiki drinks. And when you talk about tiki drinks, and I'm sure Rob can concur and Eric can concur as well. And Mark, of course, can concur. There's a lot of elements to it. And so it's really good when you're tasting something like, okay, taste a little bit of cinnamon there, a little bit of nutmeg, a little bit of... You know, vanilla in there, it's all on the layering, right, guys? I mean, it's what you want. I love it when there's uh, all kinds of stuff in there that you uh, go, hey, what's that? Hey, what's that? It makes it a deeper drink. It makes it richer, uh, richer to taste. So this uh, old school bumbo, do you do you shake it? Do you stir it? Do you have to talk like a pirate? <laughs> I made it. It's starred. It's starred. That's what it is. It's starred. It's starred. <laughs> <laughs> I like the joke. I like the joke. I love it. Yeah, I'm so going to use it on the next show. I'm going to be starring it. Roll it in a barrel. Uh, so yes, you're going to shake this and then you're going to strain this with no ice into a double old-fashioned glass. Which is that heavy glass, right, Mark, that you don't tip over? Because Mark liked the heavy glasses. He doesn't like anything that's like top heavy or got a handle on it. Oh, so you can drink this while you're at sea and it's the ship is tossing from side to side there. Right? Yeah, that's why I like the round glasses because it goes with the sea. Mm. <laughs> side to side. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Been down. Uh, <laughs> yeah. down. You know, it's funny because I remember it was like, I was talking to someone about piracy. And it says, you know, you have when you know have a really when you have a drunk pirate is when he's walking straight, <laughs> because if the ship's going side to side and he's walking straight, 
That means he's drunk. Yes. Well, that's why Johnny Depp, when he walks, he's on a shore. If you notice when he's on ship, he doesn't actually stagger that much. When he was ashore, he was always staggering. It's true. He wasn't getting his, his land legs. He had his sea legs. <laughs> now, what, what does that mean? Like, okay, I know, like, I guess I've had it before. Sea legs compared to land legs. Is that because when you're on a boat, you're moving side to side? So you're kind of, your compass is getting moved side to side. And then all of a sudden when you step on land, which is solid, is that kind of throw off your... your, your oh, your very much compass? so. I've had it happen many times, especially when we're on the smaller ships for the Navy. Uh, you just subconsciously just just adjust because you always want to keep your your head your eyes on whatever you're looking at so your body will just naturally shift uh, move side to side I always say that sailors aboard sea like our our knees will go because you're just always moving so you'll get bad knees mm-hmm. uh, then you come ashore you know you, you go friday friday you, you you go ashore and yeah you are this kind of moving around because your body is still wanting to make those adjustments mm-hmm. but you don't need to and you're kind of like woo i'm a little discombobulated so and that's what i said about you know uh, so sailors would come to sea uh in yeah. in malaysia the nickname for colonials were were mat Saleh, which was mad sailor because they would first people they'd always see would be sailors they come ashore and they're staggering around all over the place because they still haven't got their sea legs course then they would go get drunk and they would be staggering them because they're drunk but initially it was because they were not used to uh walking around on land all right so what's the next trick okay so we're gonna give you guys a new version of bumble and now this is one through my research and then i kind of got a hint from rob on this one and so i went and did some depth research on this and so this one is more up to date uh so this one you can do an ounce and a half of the bumble rum again or any dark rum you have so my suggestion, we've always talked about this before, is that, yes, go off and try some of these rums that we've had uh, on the show or even in the recipes. But if you can, buy in smaller bottles. Now, some of these bottles of rum, we've, I mean, I've got probably 60 bottles of rum in my, my, my library. There are some, I'm telling you right now, that I bought and they're still on the shelf. They haven't moved. So there, there are some rums out there that are not like my favorites or I wouldn't use. So I'm sure Rob's the same way. Mark's the same way. Like, you know what I mean? Like you try a rum. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But for our listeners out there, I mean, if you've got a dark rum at home, then, and that's your favorite, then let's then use that one for sure. Uh, one ounce of lime juice, a splash of grenadine. Again, Mark's favorite uh, ingredient of all time. Uh, a quarter teaspoon of nutmeg. Uh, so the difference between this one is that, yes, we're adding a bit of lime juice, which Mark, uh, sorry, Paul, uh, Mark, Rob mentioned in the beginning there that some of the pirates would actually would add, add lime juice to it. And I guess the grenadine is the equivalent of sugar. So it just, it's just a different color. You're adding a redness to it. So you give me a bit, a bit of color to it. Make it a little more tropical, I guess, in some ways. Um, but yeah, so that is the new version of the Bumbo. But it has less alcohol in it. That's that's intolerable. I know. As a, as a proper pirate, it's like you're going to maximize your liquor to volume you know, ratio. <laughs> Speak for yourself. You know, Sounds perfect for me. I'm a lightweight. I think Eric could probably be like one ounce of rum. <laughs> <laughs> like Paul and Nomra, I like. And then, of course, Rob sounds like Mark, where it's like, no, 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 we added more rum. As long as it's good rum, the flavorful rum. That's true. I'm just saying, is you and Mark have the same kind of equivalence where it's like, no, no, we need to add, top it off, top it off, add some more. Well, now, I'm assuming that you're going to do the same concept, shaking or stirring stirring, stirring yes stirring. uh so yes you're gonna yes you're not gonna stir this uh you're going to shake and strain this into a coupe glass now how dainty is this a coupe glass because i mean i can't imagine parts walking up and down the deck with a coupe glass in her hand that would be broken in no time <laughs> yeah exactly but uh, I guess this is like for the land people. Uh, what do you what do you call like, someone who's never? I can't remember the term. Is a term for people that 
Landlubbers. These kind Landlubbers, of like the yes. Yeah. So I guess this is probably for landlubbers who've never been to sea. Yes. Who made one of these drinks? I know, Rob, did you make the Bombo? Uh, you know, big surprise. I made the classic. Mm-hmm. The classic one. And I uh, used, actually, we used my own rum. Mm-hmm. And wow. So used simple syrup. And yeah, a little bit of cinnamon nutmeg. It is spectacular. And Erica, did you try it out? I've tried a sip. Um, it is... You the, the intoxication hits your nose before it hits your lips. I found <laughs> it was the uh, rummiest drink I've ever tried, um, and I've put it aside. Don't worry, I shall. I shall come. I shall rise to the occasion. I shall finish it for you if you uh, so are inclined, <laughs> my dear. There we go. As Mark would do for Linda. I'm one of those drinkers that uh, I like to drink something where I can't necessarily taste the alcohol. I taste everything else. Yes. Um, maybe Paul is the same. I don't know. But yeah, yes, for me, is. Yep. the alcohol hit my senses long before it hit my lips. And I found it rather, let's say, medicinal. Um, <laughs> it was fascinating, but I, it, <laughs> it wouldn't be my go-to. Let's just say that. Well, I thought it was interesting about it when I first tasted it. It almost felt, I guess because of the nutmeg and the cinnamon, it was almost like I could see this warm in drinking this in the winter. It was very warm. It did actually taste warm. Like it was this almost sort of like a hot toddy sort of feel that, again, the it had a medicinal, like you would add sort of you're hiding your medicine in it uh, to take that. It, it And it has that almost historical feel to it. This is not the sort of thing people drink, you know, now. I, I can absolutely see people drinking it 200 years ago. <laughs> uh, it's funny because you actually mentioned because I actually when I've read the recipe the first time, the first thing that came to my mind was a hot toddy right off the bat. Uh, and Mark, did you even try this or no, you haven't tried not it yet? Not as yet. Aha. Uh-huh. I will make one shortly. Oh, I'm sure he will. <laughs> Two or three, if, if, if possible. There we go. So, Greg. Yes. Uh, the, the bamboo rum we had. Do you have any more info on it? Yeah. So, the bamboo rum, like I said, is a blend of the best Barbados rum. And by the way, Barbados was the very first place to generate rum way, way back. So, I think it was Barbados was the first one. And then there was Jamaica and Trinidad were the three major areas that rum were being produced. Uh, Antigua as well, actually, where a place I've been, Antigua as well. But Barbados Rome actually has this kind of weird, I mean, I think Mark remembers from our tasting. I don't know if you were, yeah, you did the tasting show with me, right, Mark? Yep. Okay, so from that, we basically found that as soon as you open the bottle, the first thing you smell is banana bread. Like it's kind of this weird banana, vanilla, um, cinnamon kind of characteristics to it. And like I said, Little Wayne owns it. So there's two different, bar, uh, the Boomba one. So the Boomba, the original one is 35% alcohol. And the XO, which is extra aged, uh, is 40% alcohol. So, I mean, it's not like a super strong rum. I like this one because it's a sipper. Um, I know Mark's like, I don't want to be a sipper or a wet person. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's a great one of those ones where like after dinner or maybe you're sitting around with your friends or whatever and you're having a couple of cocktails and you want a shot of something. It's a good one for that because, like I said, it's it's soft on the palate. It's not too harsh. I mean, even if you mix it with ice, I bet you even Erica or Paula or even Norma would be like, yeah, this isn't too bad after all. So, yeah, so that's about the Boomba. And an LCBO, it's offered, I don't know, around the world. I think in the States, it's probably a little more frequent in most of the liquor stores. Don't think it's in your library, is it, Mark? Mine, no. Uh, Rob, is it in your library? I used to have a bottle, but I haven't got another one recently. (laughs) 
because it goes so quick. Like, it's, it's, the one I made, one of my spiced rums tastes very similar to it because that's what I do. I actually, when I, when I infuse the, the flavors to it, I have real vanilla bean. I use cinnamon sticks, uh, all spice. So it, it gives it a very similar flavor. Ah, so what's, what's the sense of buying a bottle when you can make the bottle? That was one of the points for making my own. There you go. <laughs> all right. So let's go off to Pirate Legends. So we're actually going to talk about some legends of piracy. Of course, we're going to break them down one by one. There's tons of pirates out there, but there's some famous ones that obviously everyone's heard, and we're going to break them down for you guys. So the first one we're going to talk about is Blackbeard. So Rob, maybe you want to get some input into this about Blackbeard? Yeah. So one of the interesting things about, and, and Erica already touched upon this, was regarding, they said, the legend that so much of what we know of pirates came from books written by other people to to entertain. Many of what we consider facts about pirates is actually was made up. And, you know, one of them is like flags. The, the Calico Jack Rackham, and he was never actually officially called Calico Jack, the, the classic skull with the cross swords. It was only ever like a statement by someone of what it looked like that we no one has actually ever seen it. But Blackbeard, there's lots of different accounts of him. He was a giant bear of a man for the age. He really understood how to use fear, get ships to surrender to immediately. He had wild hair, big beard. He would put slow match. So what you would use to actually fire a cannons or your pistols, he would put it in his beard. And it's so basically something that's like a, a, a hemp, a, a kind of a, yeah, hemp that's uh soaked in gunpowder and it would, so it would burn slowly with, with smoke. He'd have pistols and, you know, you come up, they would, as soon as you knew it was Blackbeard, then everyone was like, no, we'll surrender. So no one got hurt because no one wants to get hurt because the obviously medical was very bad at the time. Uh, he was born in like 1680 and he moved to Jamaica. He joined the Royal Navy <laughs> in, in England, uh, but then became a pirate. So he became a sailor first. A lot of pirates were actual legitimate sailors to begin with. Mm -hmm. uh, some were just rich people who bought ships, but some of the better ones actually knew what they were doing. And uh, you know, he captured a French slave ship, uh, Le Concorde, and he rechristened it to the Queen's Anne Revenge mm -hmm. uh, with 40 cannons. It was um, a slaver ship. But there's all sorts of great stories. Like when he was defeated, uh, Royal Navy Lieutenant Maynard, uh, you know, he was the old story of the ship he was on, the adventure. Uh, they were entertaining guests on board, so they didn't have a watch, and people weren't looking out, and they were all drunk. So the Navy was able to sneak up on him and attack and and defeat them. And they they cut his head off <laughs> and put it, you know, so but the cool stories are that when his head was cut off and rolled across the deck, his body was kicked over the side and it swam three times around the ship before it sank <laughs> below the sea, never to be found again. And they talk about his head. They talk about his head that, uh, you know, it was hanging from the yard arm on the ship, it came into port and it was kept that way and then disappeared. But then it resurfaced in a pub in Virginia. It was silver lined and people would drink out of it. And currently, it's actually in uh, a museum in uh, Massachusetts. No way. Yeah. I don't think you could drink out of it if it's in the museum. But, you know, is that really a skull? But, man, it's a cool story. Just absolutely fantastic. If I remember correctly, the story also, too, is that the guy that eventually killed him yeah, uh, slashed, slashed him once. And then Blackbeard was like, that's all you got? And then yes. he cut his head off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's all you got? Yeah. <laughs> 
So that's the thing. He was a big giant bear of a man for the age, and he really could strike terror into you. Yeah, and that's one of the things also I read too is that if you the, the stories about Blackbeard is like you said is like he actually didn't kill maybe a lot no. of people is more the fear because of the the smoke coming off his face, all the the pistols he had on him, uh, just the legend of him around the world. So Elson, like you said, they, they come up on him and like, oh, it's Blackbeard. Let's surrender right away. Like they would never mm-hmm. fight. He understood um, psychological warfare. Very much so. Yeah, he really exactly. understood it. It was about the drama and the theater and how to strike terror in the hearts of people so that they would just surrender. Because at the end of the day, um, everyone lazy, including pirates, don't have to fight. If you don't have to fire a shot, I mean, that's a lot of work and you could get injured. So why not just make it so your enemy surrenders immediately and you don't have to do much? Okay, so I got a question for you. Yes. When you when you when like say example like Blackbeard, okay, attacks my ship and my crew surrenders. Now this is different readings I've had about this. Some say that basically there's no survivors, and some say no, they actually have to join their crew and become part of his crew now. So what is exactly the the terminology or the 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 uh, explanation for that? Like what is it, it's a I- way it's in the, in the middle in the middle of that actually. So. What would happen is when a pirate would come up on you, normally, because they did want you to surrender. So if they knew that you were not going to kill them, then they're like, well, why should I throw, why, you know, the, whoever owns the ship, the captain normally didn't own the ship. It was some sort of merchant. It's like, well, I'm not going to die. I don't want to die. So I'm, they're not going to kill me. So I'm just going to give up. I'll give them the stuff. If I don't give up, then they'll kill me. Uh, there'd be also a time where, and that's where you get the, the, jolly Ro- the term Jolly Roger was from the French term Jolly Rouge, Julia Rouge, which was the red flag. If the red flag was being shown, that means there was no quarter, that they were going to kill you. Uh, And no quarter, like to go on that term, uh, quarter meant that usually back in the day that if you were were, uh, captured and held ransom, it was usually like a quarter of of your worth that you would have to pay to, or your family would have to pay to get you released. Ah, so that's where okay. the term no court room term quarter comes from. Ah, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So a lot of times pirate would come up, they would have their pirate flag, they would or not, or whatever, they would fire their guns, and then everybody would go, Oh, we're gonna surrender. And then they would just come aboard and just take all the stuff off the ship. Because you said, as as Erica said, you know, pirates were they were lazy, they didn't they were fearful, they didn't actually didn't want to get hurt because you probably weren't gonna survive if you got hurt. And it wasn't, you know, wasn't gonna be worth it. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, so they said, okay, if, if you're not going to surrender, we're just going to, you know, wail away at us with your, you with our cannons. We're going to continue to fire our cannons at you until you, until then you surrender. And a lot of you sailors will, will die. Yep. And one of the things actually someone's asked me about when I, cause I mean, I'm, I'm, I love pirates and I've got tons of information about pirates. It's like, well, how do these pirates sneak up onto the ships? And so what would happen was that, say, example, they're coming up onto a Spanish merchant ship. They would actually fly a Spanish flag get close enough and then the flag would come down and then their flag would go up. Yes. The last minute kind of like, hey, we're not Spanish, we're pirates. Now, one of the things we just mentioned actually on this thing is that he captured a French ship and renamed it. So is it bad luck or to rename a ship? I'm just kind of curious because I actually have heard that before too. Oh, very bad luck. So the the, the story is that uh, Poseidon, the Greek god of the sea, he had a, he kept the ledger of the deep it was called. Mm-hmm. So he knew what ships were in his domain and let them go. If suddenly a ship shows up that isn't in his ledger, he would, it would incur his wrath and he oh. would, he could, he could like send a storm after you or do something that so you would sink. So 
sailors, pirates, traditional mariners were, were all very superstitious lot. So they would develop a sort of a purge of the old name and give them a new name. And actually it would be like a six part ceremony where they're removing them to remove all traces of the name, change the name on the ship, perform a purging ceremony, then perform a renaming ceremony. You oh, have to wow. make a sacrifice. And today the sacrifice is, you know, you see if they use <laughs> champagne, like not yeah. a, like, you know, you're not going to you know, get a person and sacrifice. It's Throw like a bottle of champagne. Off the boat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the where's the powder monkey? Just throw the powder monkey overboard. Uh, That's what I mean, like you, the, the, the the blank. Walk the plank here. Yes, you're, you're, yeah. the, you're the sacrifice. Sacrificing to Poseidon, but uh, Poseidon he's, he's a mariner too. He likes his he likes his liquor. So these days, it's a bottle of champagne is used to to name a ship. You would actually have to appease the four wind gods with a with a a poem, and then you would toast to the new name. So it's quite quite elaborate. You would go through, and once you've done those things. Then you're you have appeased Poseidon. So we'll go on to the next guy. So we're gonna go to Captain Henry Morgan. I'll go through this one. Captain Henry Morgan, of course, he's a rum brand name we see all the time in all the rums. Was born in 1635, was a Welsh privateer, plantation owner, and later lieutenant governor of Jamaica. So, like you said before, uh, we've talked about privateers. So let me just explain. I mean, we talked about this last year. I know we're going to talk about it again this year. Is that so? A lot of the pirates actually we we talking about originally started off as sailors for the for governments, be it England, France, or Spain. And so what happened was that they actually created the pirate because what it is that they didn't have enough resources to send that many ships over to fight a battle over in the Caribbean. So what they would do is actually have people who already had ships and make them privateers. And so what they do is would have uh, what's the uh, letter of mark. Letter of Mark, basically what it is, is saying it's permission to attack other ships from other countries on behalf of the queen or the king. Uh, so what had happened was that some of these battles or wars ended or treaties started to happen. Then, of course, all of a sudden you got thousands of guys that are unemployed. They have got no money coming in. And so piracy became the next best thing. So anyways, yeah, so he was uh, from his base in Royal, uh, sorry, Port Royal, Jamaica. Port Royal, Jamaica actually doesn't exist in, wait, no, wait, that's not right. Yeah, that's right. It, it just, sort of exists. Like it's there, but it was, it, there was a, an earthquake. Yes. That, uh, yeah, the earthquake in uh, 1688. So, yeah, let's explain that one. So Port Royal, Jamaica was basically his home base. What happened is that uh, Captain Henry Morgan died. And what they did is they allowed all these pirates to come into port for two days. They gave him a grace of two days not to be punished or to be executed or charged. Um, and then it happened was about a couple of years after his death, uh, earthquake happened so severely on Jamaica that it actually cut off the city of Port Royal. And it's actually in the ocean. So it's submitted underneath the water. Jamaica is actually looking at right now doing a tunnel or some sort of tube city to go down. And you can actually do a tour of... Port Royal. It's almost going to be like Atlantis in some ways. Yeah, and actually, sorry, I was wrong there. Sorry, he died in he died in in 1688, and the earthquake was in 1692. Yeah, so a couple uh, years and later. part that went under under was actually the graveyard that he was buried in, and his coffin has floated away and has not been found. Ooh, exactly. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, so from all the all of his uh, his. Ratings of ships and things like that. He actually generated and purchased three large sugar plantations on the island. So that's in Jamaica. And so, yes, Captain Henry Morgan. Here's the funny thing, because Evan's always like, well, Craig, he's like, you know, a famous pirate. And of course, he was all about rum. Captain Henry Morgan actually had nothing to do with rum until he retired in Jamaica. So what do I mean? Like, well, what do you mean? Like he's on a rum bottle. Well, how is he on a rum bottle? Captain Henry Morgan would raid uh, French ships and Spanish ships. 
So French ships had wine and Spanish ships had brandy. So he was actually raiding ships that had wine and brandy. He had nothing to do with rum. It was only until he actually went on to Jamaica and became a governor of Jamaica that he actually became a rum connoisseur. So just want to clarify that because people are like, well, he's all about rum. I'm like, actually, no. Most of his career, he had nothing to do with rum. He did drink vast quantities, and that, uh, and that they think is that's what actually killed him. Was he drank a lot? So maybe after he, when he became the, the lieutenant governor, maybe that's what he just by drinking it. He never <laughs> he drank vast quantities of rum. Yeah, actually, he died at fit, age fifty five, and basically his liver just gave out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's go on to Sir Francis Drake. Now, this is not a popular part that you hear a lot of times about. Uh, maybe, Rob, you could go clarification on Sir Francis Drake and who he is. Yes, actually, well, Sir Francis Drake, actually, Eric and I, it's one of our, one of our favorite uh, pirates. Well, actually, one of our cats is named Sir Francis Drake. Ah. So, so we have one that's named, uh, so we have uh, Sir Walter Raleigh and Sir Francis Drake, or Wally and Frankie. But uh, nice. Drake, yeah. So I said, Wally was early. was here earlier, bugging me. Uh, he wanted to be in the show, I think. So uh, Sir Francis Drake, was, he was a privateer, uh, and he absolutely loathed the Spanish. So Spanish is what he, uh, who he focused on to the point where fans, uh, Philip II actually put a price on his head. He was born in 50, 1544, and he started sailing at, at 18. As I said, some of the best of the, the pirates and privateers were sailors initially. And he uh, was an explorer, and uh, he, circum- he was the first to sen- he circumnavigated the globe, and punished and plundered Spanish ships wherever he could find it—the Caribbean and the Pacific waters. Uh, he said he was a captain, privateer, naval officer, politician. So not only did he circ- circumnavigate the globe, he actually was the second in command of the English Navy that beat the Spanish Armada in 1588. Uh, I said the Spanish absolutely hated him and it was quite uh, quite reciprocated, let's, let's say. Uh, now, one of the interesting, so he, he was involved with attacking a Spanish uh, silver train. So actually on, on land, it was like mm-hmm. a mule wow. and such. And they ended up capturing him and his, his party captured around 20 tons of silver and gold. Wow. So when Boy, they were trying to, to get away, of course, they were actually being chased by the Spanish. He buried part of the treasure until he could get to the ship and then basically come back for it. So that's what they think is one, that account may have risen to one of the stories of why pirates uh, bury their treasure which is a very interesting one. So let's, let's let's clarify that actually, because I've read something different. So what it is that the myth is most pirates actually didn't bury the treasure. Now that's what they're talking about is the ones mm-hmm. that are lower in the ranks, like your mates and all the lower classes of pirates. The people that buried the treasure were the higher classes, like your captains and your second in command. Those guys, because they actually, they had the pool of money, but the mates themselves I mean, I could be wrong, but I'm just saying some of the research I did was actually they didn't actually bury treasure because they were so broke. And when they got the land, it was like, okay, I'm going to spend it on women and alcohol and whatever, that they would come back to the ship pretty well empty handed. Well, and and most of the time, actually, what they would take wouldn't even be silver and gold. It wouldn't actually be anything financial, like actual currency. What they would take would be the spices and stuff like to make their drinks, you know, like the bumbo drink, uh, bolts of material and uh, foodstuffs. 
So it was actually very rare they actually got actual, you know, silver and gold and gems. It was times like this when, you know, Drake taking or or Morgan when he uh, took Panama, you know, such a vast quantity of of actual currency that that's what they would bury because they're either trying to get away or they come back with another ship or they were going to attack somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So those were the ones where that's they they said it was was buried otherwise you're correct like they would just they're looking just to sell whatever they've got and then or shares like you know there was um dampiers one pirate he actually purposely <laughs> attacked a ship just to get their hats they wanted he wanted a new hat what? i want a new hat i shall take that vessel like that that captain over there looks like he has a absolutely stunning chapeau i want that hat oh so, my god right so that's <laughs> And all the pirates, so you know, the ones that the captains and stuff, well, they would have that, the, well, like the idea about the, having the big coats and boots and stuff came from the whole idea that the captain would get bigger share, first pick. And then, you know, if you're taking clothing and stuff, because, yeah, you needed new clothing at times. So I love that. A pirate who appreciates shopping. Yes. Keen fashion sense. And you don't need your credit card. Just need a cutlet. <laughs> No, like it's funny because you talk about that because I mean, if I remember correctly, also too, like the captain now actually always wore like a giant hat. Like the the higher the rank, the bigger the mm-hmm. hat. No, yeah, pretty much, yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> so always important people like you know, pirates, popes. It's all about the big hat, right? It's yeah, yeah. It's all the fashion statement. Yeah, exactly. And the cool thing about Drake actually is that because he actually landed on the west coast of Canada. Oh. So in British Columbia, there's uh, there's areas that are actually named after him. And it's like the highest point, the highest, or the mountain, I guess, highest point in Vancouver Island is called the Golden Hind, oh. which is another famous name of a ship. And that was the Golden Hind was, was Drake's ship. Did not know that. Here we go. And a personal connection. Ah, I was about to say. Yeah. I was. Ah, I was yes. about to say. There's a personal connection with Drake that you haven't mentioned yet. I was hoping yes. you hadn't forgotten. So I was in. I was in Colombia doing doing this thing for the military and had to go down to Cartagena. Now mm-hmm. Cartagena in 1586, he is Drake led an English force that actually sieged and took the city of Cartagena and held it for two months. Wow. Waiting to be basically was actually holding the city hostage, the town hostage. So I actually found the building that he lived in while he was there. Wow. So I was in front of his house kind of doing, getting, getting, uh, take, getting my picture taken me in front of, of Drake's house when he was there. <laughs> now we want to clarify for people, that's Drake from like, you know, the 16, like 1600s. Yeah, that's Drake, Francis Drake. Today's, yeah. Not today's Drake. No, 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 no. <laughs> Not the rapper Drake. We don't want to no, talk no, about or him. No, no, video game Drake or anything. What's actually well in the video game? He's actually supposedly connected to him. But Drake has had a yeah has had a big uh, influence on British lore because he said once again he was a he was a fa- he was a favorite of of Bess of Queen Elizabeth the first. Oh, sure, of course, because I mean he hated Spain, so yeah. I mean. Yes, <laughs> and you know the Spanish Armada and you know, that was all of quite history. The lore. So let's talk about the flip side of the coin because obviously we have Eric on the show. Let's talk about some female pirates. Now, there isn't a lot of pirates. I'm sure she's going to concur on this, but there were some famous ones. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, right now we get to dress up as pirates. Modern day, we get to have a good time and swing swords. um, And that's fantastic. And one of the reasons so many women enjoy doing this is because of the the myths and the legends surrounding two, not just two famous female pirates, but maybe two of the most famous pirates there were. And I think it's because they were women and they were so notorious. Ironically, most of what we think we know about them is either complete speculation 
or complete myth uh, just made up. Um, in about 1724, there was this uh, paper, this uh, publication called get this title, A General History of the Robberies and Murders of the Most Notorious Pirates. That's awfully juicy. That was meant to be sensational and exciting. (laughs) I want to read it. (laughs) For people who didn't have movies or television, this was really exciting. Whoever wrote it called himself Captain Charles Johnson. He probably wasn't a captain. He probably wasn't even called Charles Johnson. They literally don't know who he was and what his real name was. But the two female pirates that I'll talk about, we mostly think we know about them from this publication, Mary Reed and Anne Bonny, who interestingly, not just because they were so famous, but they were around at the very same time and ultimately served on the same ship with uh, Calico Jack Rackham. What we absolutely know about them was that in 1720, they were arrested and tried for piracy and found guilty. Beyond that, it's all speculation. Whoever wrote the general history of pirates, it's usually shortened to pirates, they take the murders and robberies out, worked their way backward. And real historians have tried to find evidence of their lives and haven't really corroborated much of this. We don't know who his source is. But it's fun to think that he might have been somehow correct in in their lives. Um, Mary Reed, uh, as far as we know, was English. She was born around 1685, they think around 1680s, 1690s. He seems to suggest that his mother, or sorry, her mother was uh, married to a sailor, had a son, um, and then while he was at sea, her husband had an extramarital affair, which resulted in Mary's birth. He goes missing at sea. Her husband is missing. He presumed dead. And then her sons tragically died because of you know high infant mortality. And according to this author, she dressed Mary as her late brother, Mark. She disguised her as her brother, Mark, so that she could keep getting money from her mother-in-law because she needed that income now that Mm -hmm. her husband had passed away. And apparently it worked for a short time. Uh, Eventually, the grandmother caught on and and realized that this child was not uh, Mark, really Mark. But because it worked in terms of financial uh, assistance, she continued apparently to dress Mary as Mark and call her Mark um, and get jobs as a, a, a footman. Um, and quite possibly on board ship as a powder monkey. Um, And then in Mary's teens, apparently she joined the military. This worked. Dressing as a man, apparently, worked for her, and she joined Mm -hmm. the military. She had quite a military career as Mark and was in battle. She was... She, you know, knew how to to fight, and she was in several battles with the English military against, I think, the French. They were connected to uh, the Dutch. They were uh, fighting with the Dutch against the French. Eventually, she left the military because she met a soldier, uh, a Flemish soldier mm-hmm. whom she fell in love with, and apparently they married. He wanted to make her his mistress when he found out she was a woman, not a man, but she held out. Apparently she had standards. So they married, they had an inn apparently (laughs) in the Netherlands, but apparently her, again, her husband apparently died very young. Rather than stay with an inn, you'd think that would be, you know, good sense. She decided to start 
dressing man again, and she uh, became a sailor. Now, the line between sailor and pirate was very murky, and eventually, you know, she became a pirate. She may have been boarded by a pirate vessel. And then again, she became a privateer. There was sort of going back and forth between pirate and privateer. Whether or not she was convincing as a man during any of this is hard to believe, to be honest. On board ship, I don't know how any woman could pass themselves off as a, a man successfully. But what we are led to believe is that eventually in, you know, between 17 18, 17, 17, around that time, her ship that she was on, probably a merchant vessel, was attacked by Calico Jack Rackham. And uh, she happily joined their crew as a pirate. Why not? Uh, it's all about opportunistic. She mm-hmm. became a pirate with them. Again, apparently passing herself off as a man. I'm not sure how, but that's what we're led to believe. Now, there was a woman on board ship with Calico Rack Jackham, his mistress, his lover, Anne Bonny. We know even less about Anne Bonny. We know absolutely, virtually nothing really, truly historical about Anne Bonny. Supposedly, she was born in Ireland. Again, the uh, result of a, an affair. Apparently, she was raised in Carolina and then married uh, a sailor, much to her father's chagrin. He had a plantation. He disowned her. There's even stories of her, you know, stabbing uh, a servant because she was so aggressive and violent. But again, that could just be sensational. Um, Yeah, they apparently went to Nassau, which was this sort of pirate haven. And her husband, sailor, apparently started ratting out other pirates. Um, because again, it made him more money. Why, you know, be a sailor or even a pirate if ratting them out uh, to the governor was easier? Uh, apparently, she didn't care for that, and that is where we're told she met Jack Rackham, who, according to the legends, offered her husband a lot of money to divorce her. How honorable is that for a wow. pirate? Exactly. But we're told her husband refused the money. I don't know how believable that is, and refused to divorce her. So they just ran off together. She went on board ship. And again, how believable is it that she dressed as a man, probably just dressed as a man, because that was practical. It was practical to dress Mm -hmm. in trousers and shirts and not in skirts while on board ship because she worked alongside everyone else. But I think it was probably very well known that she was Jack's uh, lover or mistress. And eventually, when Mark Reed who was not Mark, but Mary Reed came on board ship and Bonnie discovered she was a woman and they became friends apparently. Uh, and at a, at, a, at a certain point, you have to realize that Jack knew they were both women. The crew probably knew they were both women um, and they were protected by the fact that they were you know, protected by the captain because women on board ship was considered unlucky, but not so much. That's on, right. I think it wasn't so much luck. I think it was just, you couldn't, trust sailors to control themselves. And I think that's what it came down to. So they created all these myths and, you know, oh, it's unlucky. It's bad luck to have a woman on board ship. But I I think it was really just you couldn't trust that there'd be discipline of any description, even among pirates, once there were women on board ship. I was going to say, because one of the things me and you talked about is that these guys are at sea for weeks, sometimes months, not seeing land. 
And so, yeah, I went on board. It's like, okay, everyone's going to try to get some action. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? So, exactly. they'll cheat style, you know, they'll kill each other off just to get to the, yes. woman, or the woman. So, yeah, yeah I can so see that happening. It's better not having women on board. But I think Mary and Anne were protected by the captain. So, they had a certain amount of status. And we know that when they were named, in publications about notorious pirates and that they were criminals. They were named as women. They were named their names, not Mark, not other man's name. Um, there was a report mm-hmm. that uh, Jack Rackham, 12 men and two women took a sloop called uh, William. And so they were, at that point, it was obvious that they were women and they weren't hiding the fact they were women. Um, they were just dressing as men because it was so uh, convenient. And we know, what's fascinating is we know for certain the date that their ship was taken when they were all arrested. We know it was October in 1720. What we know, because wow. this is all in the trial, because there was a trial and they, you know, mm. they made a lot of records of the trial. Apparently, Mary and Anne were on watch. It was around midnight, and you know the captain and the crew were completely drunk uh, below decks. They had invited another crew over to drink and, and carouse, and they were completely drunk. And uh, they were attacked uh, by uh, Bingham, a man named Bingham, who was representing mm. the governor of Jamaica at the time. They were in Jamaica, and uh, the women uh, notified the men and said, you know. They realized they were being uh, attacked. Only a handful come up because some of them were just too drunk or too hungover or, or, you know, passed out. Jack Rackham apparently came on board, fired off a few shots of his swivel gun, but realized they were totally outgunned because they, you know, the, the ship was disabled. So he ran mm. and back below decks, coward, said, we surrender. And apparently Anne and Mary were enraged by this. And they fought back. They were boarded, and they swung their pistols and shot their uh, shot their pistols and swung their uh, swords. Um, but they screamed down into the hole, "Is there not a man among ye? If there's a man among you, come up and prove it!" <laughs> Firing into the hole. Show some balls, will you? <laughs> oh, exactly. Essentially, and none of them did. And they they single handedly fought off uh, uh, Bingham and his crew, and and but eventually uh, were overtaken. If that actually happened you'd think it would be in the trial notes, right? They would use it as evidence against Mm -hmm. them. And it's never mentioned once in the trial. So we have to sort of take that uh, uh, with a grain of salt. Um, But they were found guilty because there was tons of evidence against them. It's really quite uh, interesting. Mm -hmm. We, what we have from the trial is there was a a witness. Her name was Dorothy Thomas. She was a victim of them. uh, And she, I think was held for at least a day uh, by them before being released. She was obviously, she survived, but her description of Mary and Anne, because they had their own trial was that they wore men's jackets and long trousers had handkerchiefs tied around their heads. Each of them had a machete and a pistol in their hands. And they cursed and swore at the men to murder her. That might have been sensational. She might have been making that up, right, to, you know, it's, to be a good witness mm-hmm. in the trial. And she also said she knew there were women from the largeness of their breasts. So it's not like they were trying to pass <laughs> themselves off as men. But she yeah. apparently, you know, is, is indicating in the trial that they were quite ruthless they were, you know, just like any other pirate on board, maybe even more. Maybe they had to sort of prove themselves uh, and they might have been even more ruthless, although that's speculation. 
we know that they were found mm-hmm. guilty and what they did was the standard uh, plead the belly, which was you can't execute us because we're pregnant with the hopes of, well, you're never going to prove whether we are or not. We've given ourselves a few months, right, to to stay alive. Although the judge apparently demanded that they be inspected for pregnancy. Uh, and then apparently whoever inspected them said, yep, they're pregnant. Uh, I don't know if they were bribed coerced to say they were pregnant. Uh, there were no pregnancy tests or that were favors. favors, exactly. <laughs> and what's fascinating is that we know that Mary Reed did die uh, in prison a few months later. Um, quite possibly she was pregnant and maybe she did buy, die in childbirth. We know it was a fever. So she either died mm-hmm. in childbirth or she did just die of, of a terrible uh, illness. And Bonnie, however, there's absolutely no record of what happened to her. Zero. Because there's no record of what happened to Anne Bonny, the stories, the myths, the legends, they've just gone crazy. Gross. Exactly. Yeah. Historians yeah. will try and play catch up. Every time someone comes up with a legend or a myth, historians will try running around saying, well, we can't prove it. And then another legend or another myth will come up. And there's so many. And I think that's what's so fascinating about them. Exactly. So speaking of parts, so the next thing we're going to talk about as uh, something that uh, Rob came across and Erica came across with me. So creating a pirate name. Now, this is a really cool segment I didn't even think about, but I think it's a really cool topic to talk about. So creating a pirate name. So Rob, why don't you go first and tell us what your pirate name is and how you came about creating it? Yeah, so the whole idea is you you don't want to use your own name when you go to one of these festivals. You want to create a persona. You want to create a character. Because you want to live, just what we were talking before, you want to live larger than life. And especially when you're inter- interacting with the crowd, if you're one of the performers, you just want to be large. So you get to make a really cool pirate name. Now, my name is William Blades. And Blades is spelt B-L-Y-D-E-S. Oh, okay. William William is a period name. Blades, Blades, right, we, pronounce, we pronounce it Blides. Because that actually is a period pronunciation and a, more of a period spelling. So once it's one is, is period, but also it kind of links into the what we do in our pirate group, Cut and Run, playing with the swords. So you can see Blides, Blades, that kind of connection. Now, Erica's name is far more interesting than mine. <laughs> okay, far cooler. Erica. Okay, so... Erica, go ahead. Give us your name and how you came about it. You know what? It's funny. I'm not very wenchy. So a wench, a pirate wench, is what you typically call a woman who does this sort of thing. But I've never considered myself terribly wenchy. And I, even in character, I can't be particularly (laughs) wenchy. I'm just not much of a wench. So I, when I did my research. That's a good thing. It's it can be a good thing, but as a pirate, it's sort of I'm a bit uh, I'm a bit odd pirate wise because I don't push the wenchiness. I, I don't know why I just don't. But but when I did my research, the first thing I came across was how popular the name Jenny was in the you know 17th and 18th century as a woman's name. Jenny was very popular, and I thought, well, let's start with Jenny. But then as I went with more research, I discovered some really fascinating 17th and 18th century euphemisms. Some of them are are rather naughty, and I thought, well, let's find a sort of interesting pirate euphemism for something. And I found something that was just fascinating. So apparently the euphemism 
for spending the night at a brothel or spending the night with a prostitute is cracking Jenny's teacups. Okay. <laughs> which is so evocative. It's terribly evocative. If you'd cracked Jenny's teacups, you'd spent the night at a brothel. Or what are you doing tonight, William? I'm going to go crack Jenny's teacups. And so it sounds so cool. And I thought, I'll just call myself Jenny Teacups. It sounds rather... Uh, there we go. It like sounds it. cute. It sounds sweet. It's not particularly wenchy. But if you know the history of it, it is rather saucy. Normally that, I am sort of obsessed with tea. I'm a huge tea drinker, which also makes me a bit unusual. Yes, I like tiki drinks. But as we've discovered, I am less of a booze hound than some of the rest of you. <laughs> so Especially I... Especially Mark and Rob, yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I have a bit of an addiction to tea, um, and so my character just, that's what she does on board. I'm not much of a mariner. I'm not much of a sailor. I make the tea. And I just thought, Jenny Teacups, it's utterly perfect because it sounds cute, but it's also slightly saucy if you know. And I even have a leather holster that I wear on a belt. This leather holster holds a teacup and saucer. It's not a holster for a pistol, although I have pistols. <laughs> it's not a holster. It's not a holster for a sword, although I do have a sword. It is a leather holster specifically designed for teacup and saucer. So I've just created a is whole. Is that from like after battle? You can have your tea. Absolutely, and when people catch me with my tea and saucer drinking, they look at me funny and say, "But you're a pirate," and I'll say, "I might be a pirate, but I'm not a savage." <laughs> I have some standards, you know. Come that's on. That's right. So Jenny Teacups, that's my name. So I challenge you guys, okay. my, my shipmates tonight. Yes. Uh, and actually, I, I thought of this too late last year to say something, but I want you to, what names you would come up with. So Mark, you go first. All right. Well, I did the usual, uh, well, maybe this, and there was like old gray beard or something like that. And uh, that's too easy. Yeah. Uh, of course, our last name is Keel. So the first thing I thought of was oh, Keel that, that made, it writes itself. That writes yeah. itself if your last but name the, is Keel. But, but the actual name Keel is uh, Gaelic for apparently for church. And so that, <laughs> <laughs> and that's Which not very, doesn't go to. Yeah, that's not very piratey, I wouldn't think. Uh, but my mother's uh, Irish and her father uh, was uh, a merchant seaman around the the 1900s. And so I, I figured I'd do more of the Irish than the, uh, the Scottish. So I'm Keelhaul Pat. <gasps> I love ah, it. Nice. Very well, well played, sir. Well played. There we go. Keelhaul Pat. Yes. That, that, would instear, <laughs> that would instill fear in your opponent for sure. Um, so, so mine is just two different versions I thought of kind of quickly today. I mean, this is going to be thrown at me. Uh, one is because my last name is Stevens is Slippery Stevens because I don't want to fight. I just want to just run away. So I'm going to slip away and run away. Uh, the, or the other one is Sipping Stevens because I'm obviously cocktails and, and drinker. So it'll be like the Sipping Stevens. Uh, yeah, but I like the Slippery Stevens. So basically, like, I just run away and hide. You would nice. work well with Cut and Run then. You're right. Yes. You're right up our alley. I love there that you go. both put that thought into it instead of just doing one of those name generators like the month you were 
born and the first letter of your last name, those that's cheating. And you didn't cheat. You put thought into it. So gold cutlass for both of you. Huzzah! 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 There we go. And that's when when you build one of these names, having it something that's personalized Mm -hmm. is. And then then now you you said you you when you were telling me what your name was, you were telling me the story that you were crafting around that. And as Jenny said, yes, there are pirate name generators out there uh, that you know have some sort of adjective and then your name. But that's you know very very simple. Like we have some people like uh, our best friends, one of the members of the group, Rakish Justice is his name. Justice was a period last name, so Rakish mm-hmm. as the first name. And what does that what does what does that bring to mind of what type of person he is? For names, you could look at things like what are the 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 period names of the t- of the time. Like there's different ways to do it. You can you can do the adjective and the name and you could have things like um you know scurvy pete or something like mm-hmm. that or more violence like uh cutthroat bess you know mm-hmm. these are kind of names that will emote something but once again okay that's kind of care that's kind of character character of character but you can mm-hmm. come up with other ones are his based off historical pirates Exactly. One, a family, like actually almost like a, a dynasty of of english pirates the name of hawkins so mm-hmm. if you were to pick a common like John and Robert, Thomas, William, or very period first names. So that's where you could make like John Hawkins as That'd your cool. pirate name. Yeah. Right? So, you know, you would know it's a, it's a period person based off a period name and other people who know pirates would know that, but people who don't still see that as, as a period name. Um, the ones for women, like Erica said, Jenny, but there's also like Dorothy, Elizabeth, Eleanor. So you come up with something, you know, find other last names and put them together. Or yeah, you could actually have, you know, for, for Craig, for you, if it's Stevens, it's almost like you have like, you know, silver, um, say silver steel Stevens, you know, yeah. uh, like, you know, that sort of type of thing. Alliteration <laughs> alliteration also is very good where you have like, so like Henry Hawkins, that, you know, something, th- those are kind of names that would really roll trippingly off the tongue or something that sounds aggressive. Those are all the different ways you can name, you could come up with your pirate name. Or you could be like me and just run away. Yeah, I, Rob, <laughs> honestly, I don't think you could get any better than Slippery Stevens. That is, I know that was, that, was, that, was, that was that was outstanding. It is outstanding. That was nautical miles beyond anything I would have expected to be. I'd be like, you guys go ahead. I'm just going to go take a nap. Oh, oh. <laughs> you know, I can't get you with my sword because you're just so slippery, able to get away, dodge, and weave, and stuff. I'll dodge away. <laughs> so we, because uh, when we do the show for the kids, one of the things we ask at the very beginning is that you know during during the show, I'm going to ask you, what is your pirate name? So the kids would then, you know, think during the show or if they come up to us just during the day and we would ask them, like, what's your pirate name? If you're at a pirate festival, you know, young, young powder monkey, uh, you must, you, you must have an actual pirate name and, you know, kind of, and then they have a great time for, for the, the, that, that time trying to come up with what their pirate name is. And then for the rest of the day, you would actually have them come up and they would like, you know, say who they are or you would have you rem- if you could luckily remember their name and use their name and the, the smile that they would have. It just gives them once again associated and connected to the show. I think it would also be too as cool as that is on the day we talking like we're talking about talk like a party. Mm-hmm. You could you could go to your your colleagues, your business people that you work with, or your friends or family. And say no, today I am Slippery Stevens. I am not Craig. I am Slippery Stevens for today. 
You know what I mean? Like use your part name during the day of Talk Like a Pirate. Yes. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. If you're going to do nothing else on Talk Like a Pirate Day, at the very least, come up with a pirate name. And that's, you know, that's, you're done. You're good. And a pirate laugh too. Something like a pirate laugh. You need to have one of those to go along with it. So. Okay. Give us an example, Rob, of a pirate laugh. You know, Slippery Stevens. <laughs> you know, big gregarious. It's all about being gregarious. Because you know what yeah. I mean? Like, hee, I'm a pirate. Hee-hee. You know, you're like, ha Well met, Slippery Stevens. Do you remember that time in Tartoon? You still owe me money, don't you? You, know, kind of, <laughs> you remember that time? Uh, it, was, it was two against a hundred. Hardest two we ever fought. You know, that sort of... <laughs> Or more like Rob would be like, or like, you know what? We went to go fight for Craig. I turned around and you were gone. Way to go. (laughs) (laughs) You left me all alone, sir. I just, we shall cross sword sometime. Or it could mean too that you can't be captured. You're so slippery. They can't get their hands on you. That's right. I'm like Jack Sparrow, never to be caught again. It's got so many different connotations. I love them both. I, I do. I think they're both fantastic. The, you should, you should, the, the gallows shall never see you. That's right. Never see the gallows. (laughs) (laughs) Did you know? I I don't probably. <laughs> Erica, do you know Erica? <laughs> I I'm missing a page of my script. I don't know where we are. That's funny. <laughs> All right, so we're actually because we have Rob on our show, we can take advantage of his terminology and, and lingo and knowledge. The Rob's going to help us explain some of the positions on a pirate ship or, a, or even a navy ship today. So the first position so we're going to talk about is particular captain. about a captain on a pirate ship versus a captain on a navy ship. Okay, so um, I mean, I don't know if the differential, but I know a captain in the old days of pirates was actually elected by the crew and could be changed at any time by the crew. But also, too, the captain had the same um, res- sort of same uh, rules. Yes, the rest of exactly. the crew, except so for in battle. They could be voted out at any time, except while they're in battle. They only time they had absolute say was when they were in battle. Could re, could uh, they got a, a larger share because there still was some more things they needed to know. Uh, now that was kind of what was traditional, but of course a lot of guys like Blackbeard. Are you going to vote Blackbeard off? No, you're not going to vote him off the island. And usually the only time no. that they were voted no. out is when they <laughs> the crew like they they couldn't find some a ship to to take or something was they just the crew was like okay where are you taking us what are you doing you're acting erratic or whatever that were the times now the number two on board the sh- on a pirate ship was actually called the quartermaster and the quartermaster also was voted in mm-hmm. and he's second command keeps track of the supplies he is in charge of discipline on the ship now in the navy though the navy is the first officer, mm-hmm. the first mate. Mm-hmm. Like on sales days, it was first mate. Uh, and is the first officer. It actually, in the Royal Navy, it was the first lieutenant because the captain was the captain and all the other officers were lieutenants. So whoever the first lieutenant was the first, second, third, fourth lieutenant, the first officer, first lieutenant was the, was the second in command, which is interesting. So I'm going to get completely geeky here. So the commander Riker character on Star Trek Next Generation, you know how he was called number one? Picard called him number one because the first officer was also the, the first lieutenant. That's where the first officer came from. So he was kind of hearkening back to those tall ship days. Ah. Who else do it? Let me see now. Who else can we go? There uh, we go. Oh, the boat. Okay. So there's some, there's also then some positions that are very uh, skill oriented. So the bosun, 
So does anyone know what a boson would be or boatswain? Yeah, so I think when me and you talked, it actually is two different ways you could say this, say this term. Yeah, Boatswain was the Boat full Swain, name, but it's right? the Navy is very, like, sailors are also very lazy, so they'll cut out consonants and things like that to make it hard. So Boson, it gets shortened to Boson. Because there's also the Coxswain, the Coxswain, the Boatswain. So now Coxswain is just called Coxswain. And Coxswain actually is the senior non-commissioned member. So he would be like almost like what that um, that quartermaster sort of thing. He's in charge of discipline, but the bosun is in charge of all the mm-hmm. seamanship of the ship, making it run. Uh, you know, so basically making you know, all the sailors know what they're doing. If a new sailor joins the ship, there is a term called you show them the ropes. So the bosun will show you the ropes, and you probably heard that term. Show ah. them, you know, do you know your ropes? Do you know show you the ropes? Show you the ropes. I mean, he would yes. take you around and show you what each rope what each line on the ship did. So if you were told to, you had to furl, unfurl a sail or, or take in to do something that, you know, what they had, they say what the name of the rope is. So the bosun would show you the ropes. Also too, wasn't a bosun the one else that would lead the, the crew to shore? Like if there had to be a, a landing on, on a, on a, on a shoreline or yeah, something. Yeah. Cause they whatever, also they usually the were the, the um, like almost the master of arms. So they're also would, would teach the crew uh, how to fight. So how to use cutlasses, how to use pistols. And they would, um, so they would, they knew actually because of their seamanship, they'd also knew how to, to handle small boats, sail small boats and such. So yeah, they would be the leader of the shore, the, the boarding party, the shore party. The carpenter. So the, the car, a ship would have a carpenter. Obviously it was to maintain, repair the ship. Uh, but sometimes depending if you had a, mm-hmm. a someone who was medical or not, they actually also ended up being kind of like the ship's surgeon, the sawbones. Because if they could, they could cut wood. Mm-hmm. They could cut off a limb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when it, oh, oh! So I mean, I don't know what your research on this. So what is what was the the, the practice of re- amputating a limb? I mean, would they just basically get them yeah, drunk pretty much? You give them a the bunch of rum, just, uh, have I mean, them bite on a piece of leather, uh, put a tourniquet on whatever the limb is, and and cut it off, and then cauterize it with a hot iron. <laughs> Erica's face is going, oh my God. No way. <laughs> She's like, I can't do that. I'll be putting no, the kettle no. on <laughs> Yeah. So if it's because uh, when they went pirates, like a lot of times the pirates would take extra crew, they would, you know, if you, some people would volunteer, they wouldn't, not everybody was a volunteer. If you had one of these skills, like if you were the ship's carpenter, yeah. if you were the ship's doctor, like if you had some medical training, yeah. they would press you. Mm-hmm. Just like the Navy, they press yeah. you into service. And sometimes if a ship was taken yeah. and you know, everyone's charged with piracy, if you can prove that you were pressed into service, if you were forced to serve, they, they, mm-hmm. a lot of times they would let you go. Mm-hmm. So that was, so that oh, was wow. interesting. Okay. Uh, sailing master. So the sailing master is basically the person who knew how to, how to navigate the ship. The captain didn't necessarily know how to, like if you were voted mm-hmm. in. And if you weren't a sailor, like I said, a lot of these guys were sailors at uh, a young age, but some were not. Some were mm-hmm. maybe just someone who had the money to buy a ship and then they would, they would put it to sea or whatever. So the sailing master mm-hmm. would, would know how to sail. Uh, Cooper. No, actually, sorry. Let me go back. So it's very interesting. It's interesting because when we watch any of the pirate movies, like especially the Pirates of the Caribbean, you always see the captain doing the navigation with the charts so it's funny that you're saying, and, and I'm actually my same thing in my research is that's sometimes like, no, I have no clue where I'm going. 
you're going to have to show us the direction of where we're going. So it was just funny to see that in the movies, they glamorize the whole thing. Like the captain's in charge. He knows exactly where we're going. He does all the charts. And yet, meanwhile, there actually was someone sailing masters that would actually be the ones controlling. Exactly, yeah. the, the so the captain could then also going. think about what they were going to do when they got there. You know, plan the attack of, you know, you know, attack on Panama, Morgan attack on Panama, even though he was a sailor, but he would actually have someone who would be the sailing master would actually sail the ship to get it to where it was going. Uh, Coopers. So people, you know, that's a name you hear as a last name. Mm-hmm. A lot of the, you know, Cooper. Right. And once again, that's connected to it's actually true. a skill. Yeah. So Coopers were the ones who made barrels, which was a high, high skill. So not just, not just actually oh, okay. just making the staves, like the actual wooden part, but actually then making the metal. And they actually end up a lot of times become the, would be the blacksmith on the ship. So then they would also then fix a lot oh, okay. of the fittings and thing, metal parts on the ship. Uh, the master gunner was another position. Mm-hmm. So they were being in charge of maintaining and training the crew on how to use the ship's guns. In the Royal Navy, that actually was a warranted position. Mm-hmm. You were actually, you were not like a sailor or a petty officer, like someone who would actually know how to sail. You were specifically trained to be that position. Of course, cooks, you got to have a cook, right? Someone who could prove that they knew what they were doing. Like Long John Silver yep. started off as a cook on the ship kind of thing. And he was there. He touched when he told, ja- oh, Jack Hawkins. Of course, the character in in, uh, in Treasure Island, his last name was Hawkins. They used that as a, a very famous uh, pirate uh, mm-hmm. family, as it were. Uh, well, there's also yes. a, a show called Black Sails. I don't know if you guys have seen it, and and, and it's funny because in the first season, mm-hmm. there's a guy that he pretends to be the cook, so so he doesn't get killed. You know what I mean? And ends up he's a terrible cook, but he has this map, and he's trying to basically trying to you sell well, it. Yeah, for, if, for yeah I was really trying to stay route. away from Black Sails because if we start talking about Black Sails, the show would be like four hours long. <laughs> it is actually a brilliant show it is um when it comes to things like props and the what they were wearing uh, it was actually and, and the the sets were very accurate it was a very interesting combination of historical pirates like charles vane but then characters from mm-hmm. robert louis stevenson mm-hmm. such as long john silver and then just invented mm-hmm. characters that would kind of like take a combination of historical and, and stuff and put it together. So it was actually, it was a very great story. And like I said, uh, before I completely go on a tangent, I'll, uh, I'll carry on as we would say, let's see, let's carry on, <laughs> shall we? Uh, shall we? Carry on, shall we? On that note, or yes. I would say on very that good. note. <laughs> uh, of course on pirate ships, musicians, well, how could you have a shanty? Sometimes, you know, the, the, the sea songs without a good uh, musician, even the Navy had them, mm-hmm. but of course you, it was in the rules, mm-hmm. like in the, uh, in articles that you've read for pirates that the, the musician would have Sundays off or one of the, a day off. Like they wouldn't have to play absolutely all the time. So oh. very important. And of course everyone that we've used it before cabin boys and powder monkeys. Powder monkeys. Now, and we always call term, the kids powder monkeys. little powder monkeys. Because, yeah, you know, the kids went to, yeah. went to sea as early as 11, 12 years of age. Uh, in the Royal Navy, like 13 was the age of a midshipman, yeah. a young junior, a young subordinate officer learning how to mm. sail, like how to be an officer. But the, um, so cabin boys mm. would be you know, servants yeah. of the officers. And then usually when they got to an age, like 13 and such, they could actually become sailors or join the crew. Powder monkeys, the same deal. They would, mm-hmm. they would, as they got older, mm-hmm. then they would become crew. But powder monkeys were the, the little guys who would go mm-hmm. from the, the powder magazine that would be down in the bottom middle of the ship, mm-hmm. protected, 
from any sort of other cannon mm-hmm. fire because that's a lot of a lot of gunpowder which could go boom and there'd be like wetted blankets all around and such they would yeah. go down there get the charges for the cannons and then run up to each one of the cannons and mm-hmm. drop one off now they had to be like they're called monkeys because they would scurry they would actually have it like around their neck in a in a bag and they would scurry up especially if the ship had taken damage they would run around so that's why they were called they're called powder monkeys and Oh yeah, they were yeah because that's I what we all call the these like, these little kids when we do the the sword shows that they're all powder monkeys you know trying out for the boarding party or something like that and they all think it's the coolest thing because they they feel like they actually have a role on the ship. Um, the other was actually was ranks on the ship. So here's another one for you. We said it earlier. The name of somebody who didn't know what they were doing on the ship or just came on board. Do you remember what that term was? No, Erica? I don't remember what the term is, it. but that's clearly me. <laughs> We're kind of almost like a kind of a bit of a cook. You have like one specialty of making the tea. I make the tea. I just make the tea. That's very important. Other than that, tea. I have no idea what I'm doing. Hey, that could be important. <laughs> that that so, could be important on a ship. Yeah. You know, the day over, yeah, rum drinking, oh, hangover. Yes, so. Hey, we need some tea. Uh, it's just good for morale. It just feels good. So so you would have, um, yeah, yeah. so Abe seamen who knew what they were doing were called able seamen. So you were able seamen. If you didn't, if you were still learning, you were an ordinary okay. seaman. So you would have to challenge to become an, an able seaman. Mm-hmm. And then from there you could actually change, could, you could compete to become either a petty officer or a mate. So if mm-hmm. you wanted to become a carpenter's mate or a bo- the bosun's mate, so assistants, and they would have several assistants. You could mm-hmm. you could challenge to become one of those. Now, when you first came on board, though you had no idea mm-hmm. what's going on, you would be called a lubber, a landlubber, which actually came landlubber, which came from land the term lubber. landsman. Yes, I've heard that, that. You were literally just pressed into service, or just re- recruited, or just taken off a ship, and you literally you were still being shown the ropes. And learning what's going on. So things like in battle and stuff, you are not idlers and wasters below, as it would be called. These guys would all be like, you get down below, get out of our way mm-hmm. while we're fighting the ship. Uh, other. Yeah. And it's funny because uh, funny because there's a show called Below the Deck, which is on uh, uh, Bravo and whatever. And on these yacht boats, yes. um, if someone like, calls them yachties, yeah. they say, you must be a land lover. Because basically, obviously, yeah. you don't even never been to see. Another very no key position uh, on the ship would be the pusser. So, yeah, pusser. Yes, not the, pusser, but the pusser. Because yes, once again, because sailors are pretty lazy. They're going to say the name pretty, pretty. And then it was the yeah. pusser came from the term the the one who who controlled the purse of the ship. So you were the logistics officer mm-hmm. of the ship. And we still in the navy today call them pussers. So mm-hmm. like I was talking to the baby pusser today. Like mm-hmm. the, so, like basically the assistant logistics officer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they can, but of course they would always end up, you gotta be careful. Those are the guys who would like, you know, ah, I'm going to charge, you need to, you need to buy this for the ship. Uh, I'm going to pay you. Okay. You're going to pay a little extra or something would happen. They're the guys you always have to worry about taking money. Got to be careful. Skimming something off Skimming the top. Skimming off the top. Yeah. Yes. Which is another Navy term. Yes. Sorry, I think what I want to mention too that I mean we've we kind of uh, of course our show is all about rum. Yes, is there the ones yeah, because they, they would be the, the ones to, to to procure yes. the rum for the ship, and then they would be the ones who would then parcel it out to be distributed by the quartermaster or the the petty officers or whoever. But they were the ones who, who yeah who purchased and controlled it. Hence, so is that why it's called mm-hmm. Pusser's yeah, rum? Yeah, yes. 
Yes. Ding. Yes. After all these years. Yes. Yeah, so they get did you know? Yes, there you go. So there's the connection <laughs> that basically the Royal Navy, the Royal Navy procurement. I did not. So a bunch of these logistics officers, a bunch of these pussers, would then be the ones who would then in, would would procure, store, and distribute the rum to the ships for the tots. Now here's a cool thing: is they get Erica's listen. Let's see if Erica's listened to the show. How would they prove the grog was actually legit? Rob knows the answer to this one. Hang on. Rob knows the answer. And I think Mark knows the answer, of course, because he was on the show. So something about I'm just proof, curious if you know or not. Proof that it was alcoholic. Yes. I think it was something to do with gunpowder and how flammable it was. So the more flammable it was, exactly. the higher the proof. Yes. So if it was over 50%, it was over basically 57%. Right. When you lit it up, you, you soaked <laughs> the gunpowder. If it actually essentially exploded then it was over 57%. If it just kind of burned, then it was below. See, I'm not a math person. I don't know the numbers. To be honest, I'm not entirely sure how they figured out 57%. Mm -hmm. It was a color color flame too as well as it was. If it's the the liquor that you're going to like or the liquor that's going to make you go blind. So... Robert just Mark, Mark would just taste it. He goes, "Yeah, it's, it's okay." This is good. <laughs> yeah, it's more. Yeah, or this is more. way too watered down. You need to add some more rum. Splice the main brace. I wish to have another tot of rum. Now you're just showing <laughs> off. That's it. I'm getting into character. Sorry, <laughs> and I'm really enjoying this drink. Getting into character. That's it. And so, Oxy. Yeah, exactly. So Poosers actually has, and I have some, we talked about in the last show, has yeah. Poosers Gunpowder Rum. <laughs> yeah, Poosers Gunpowder <laughs> Rum. All right. Oops. Yeah. You say Pooser, I say Pusser. I say Pusser. <laughs> you say tomato, I say tomato. There we go. Yeah. Cool. So there's some cool facts about pirate lingo, pirate legends, female pirates, how to name yourself. I mean, there's just so much information we've given you guys during the show. And we want to thank Rob and Eric, obviously, for coming on the show because these guys are expert at parts. They do what they do. Uh, of course, Rob does it for a living. I mean, he's basically living it uh, every day of his <laughs> life fantastic. as a Navy officer. <laughs> and uh, yes. And uh, Mark's still living in the Batcave. He thinks he's Batman. So, anyways, I yeah. Am Batman. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there we are. There we are. <laughs> Yeah, I go. So yeah, so actually, there's tons of information on you guys uh, on the show for you guys. We have some drinks on there, some pirate stuff, and please on September 19th, please do talk like a pirate. Uh, if you go on Facebook, and uh, I did this once, unfortunately, just make sure you remember how to do it. You can actually change your Facebook page to the entire page to be like pirate lingo. Just remember where you did it because if you don't remember, it's actually in pirate lingo to tell you how to turn it off. So uh, just be careful with that. <laughs> <laughs> I had it for three days stuck on pirate lingo and I didn't know where to look because it wasn't pirate lingo to tell me how to turn it off. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so anyways, we got to put all kinds of links in there for you guys. Rob writes an article uh, in a pirate magazine. So of course we're going to add that on there. All kinds of information we're going to give you guys. So let's tell everybody who we are. We are www.tkcentralcanada.ca. There we go. Everyone's doing Paula's work today. He's probably at home going, wow, this show is just so much better without me. Okay, anyways, no, no. That was we a shot across the bow right there. Ow. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I stroke first. I attack first. That's it. 
But then after that, I'm going to slippery step away. <laughs> oh yeah, if, if Paul is mad, you 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 go run and hide. Trust me, I know that one. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so yes, on that main page will be all the information for the show. Uh, I'm sure the show will be a lengthy show, so thank you for listening all the way through it. Uh, we will have some information on there for recipes and episodes. Uh, those are great pages to go through because it's easy to navigate through them. All you do is click on the link, what you want. It brings you down to where you want to go. To get to the bot- top of the page, all you have to do is hit the arrow in the bottom right-hand corner. It brings you back to the top of the page. Easy peasy. Uh, we also do have a cool link page, so tons of research. I think actually what we're going to do is we're going to put Rob's magazine on there as well. So if you're wondering to read any of the magazine that he's done or past issues, we'll put that on there. Uh, we'll put the video for Rob's video, YouTube video that he did last year. I think that's an awesome one. I love watching. It was very entertaining and educational at the same time. And uh, yeah, so uh, we also do have our subscribe page. Uh, these guys are both subscribed, so thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> you support the cause. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's funny because it's funny because the people who subscribe uh, reach out to me every now and then. Rob obviously reached out to me years ago. And and by the way, I have to say thank you very much, Rob, for the gift. So explain to everybody what you sent me last year, and I am completely honoured that you sent me this this one oh. tiki item. So right, so where's it from uh, and what it was exactly deployed to Bahrain. Uh, yeah, it's like a year and a, two years ago now, a year and a half. Oh, time flies by. And they actually had a, a Trader Vix there. Yeah. And so that's where I would kind of hide out whenever I needed to kind of get away. And they just released a new mug. And so I convinced them that actually it hadn't been totally released yet. They were, it was in a drink, but they weren't selling it yet. And I convinced them to give me mm-hmm. one. So then I sent that to you in a package that actually had the Trader Vicks Bahrain bag and swizzle and such like that. And I said that so it's all the way from the other part of the world. Mm-hmm. Yes, you could order it online, but this one was special because I had to convince them to give me one. But uh, as, a, as a true pirate, I was able to procure one and send that to you. It was awesome. And it's, I've been on my Tiki bar. Now, the other thing I want to point out to you, and I actually have kept, and I don't know if you remember. Oh, right. Yes. Actually that's actually, once again, West paper. Coast. Yeah, that's uh, that's off of yeah. Squamalt Harbor, so off of uh, Victoria. Years ago, we were getting rid of a whole bunch of old charts at uh, my, my naval unit. And instead of them being thrown out, I just kind of just, you know, well, purloined, procured, pirated. Uh, them took them home, and so every so often for special occasions, for special <laughs> wrapping, yeah, I'll use uh, use the chart, use a chart, and it's and it's, it's awesome because I was like, okay, that's like so pirate of him to do that to wrap it in a navigational <laughs> chart, like it's just yeah. Yeah. So anyways, yes, thank you. It's on my Tiki Bar. Uh, every party we have, everyone asks me the question where it came from, and I'm like, it's a one of a kind. So there we go. Uh, <laughs> And only I drink out of it, by the way. Nobody else drinks out of it. So I, again, want to thank Rob and Erica for coming on the show. Uh, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules because I know you guys have lots going on. And, of course, Mark in the back cave, as usual. And so, yes, uh, the, please do subscribe if you can because it does help us out um, for numbers and for stats and stuff like that. And uh, please stay tuned to the next show. Yeah, this was- so thank you guys for coming aboard. <laughs> I see what aboard. you did there. I get it. Aboard. Yeah. Well, thanks, guys. That was. Oh, thanks yeah. so much for having. This me. is awesome. We learned so much. Oh, no, I, it's it's an I, honor to be here. Like I said, I've yeah, been listening from the very beginning, and it's absolutely fantastic to be allowed to be part of this. Well, I don't know about you, but I got informed, guys. Hey. Guys, where's my drink? <laughs> <laughs>